Hello, I'm Wayne, and this is my Iron Maiden podcast, sponsored by Panini Football Stickers, useful currency when you want to buy or sell information. On this podcast, I look at the songs of Iron Maiden and how they influenced me growing up as a boy in 1980s Birmingham. This week, I'm looking at the song Power Slave, which is track number seven on the Power Slave album. Last week, I looked at Back in the Village, and I was so flustered at the start of the episode because of the aftermath of the poetry duel that I forgot to tell people what track number it was. So I do apologise for this, and I can confirm that Back in the Village is track number six on the Power Slave album. That's the first time this has happened, and hopefully the last. Hope no one was affected by this. I also noticed that later in the show, I belched when I read out the Twitter details. This is very disappointing. I can't believe this was missed at the production stage. I can assure you that heads have rolled because of it. So once again, I'll begin the episode with an apology. Last week's show on Back in the Village, though, created lots of good discussion. Mainly about pancakes. The show came out on Shrove Tuesday or Pancake Day, and therefore lots of people were commenting on their favourite fillings. A lot of people said Jif Lemon and Sugar, like Trevor. But some people in other countries didn't know what Jif Lemon was, or they couldn't get it, so they just used lemon juice. I noticed there are a few mavericks. Fecky Metal talked about Nutella, and some other people mentioned syrup and fruit. Mike Warren, however, went a step further, and he had broccoli, carrots, and brown sauce. And he said he has a feeling that Trevor won't approve. I'm not going to mention this to Trevor, though, because I fear this might tip him over the edge. Anyway, this week I'm looking at Power Slave, which you may have noticed is the title track of the album. So that's exciting. It must be a good song, mustn't it? Let's find out. First of all, let's look at the title, Power Slave. It's not in the dictionary, because it's not a word. It's put two words together, and these are two words that are quite opposite in meaning. So this is a bit like an oxymoron, which I discussed in episode two with the song title, Remember Tomorrow. This is an oxymoron because it's two words together that mean opposite things or that don't make sense together. Power slave is just one word, so I wonder if this is still an oxymoron. You may remember that I'm not very happy with the word oxymoron because it was used as a cruel taunt or nickname when I was a teenager due to my spots and the use of the product oxy. That was in episode two and maybe you know you, you laughed along with it or didn't get to know me and, and couldn't appreciate my dilemmas. And nowadays, you might be saying, well, why didn't you just tell them to eat the worm? And this is a good idea, but I was older, so I wasn't using eat the worm as a catchphrase. This was when I was about eight, but the the spots and the oxymoron taunt was when I was about 13 or 14, five years later. And I felt that if I did say eat the worm, I'd just get more mockery and laughter. So I'll ask Trevor later if one word can be an oxymoron, because I'm not quite sure. The song starts off with this strange sound, like an eerie sort of noise and it's got like a sort of a, a windy effect like a sort of like a whistly wind and it's also got like an owl noise sort of like a noise and there's also someone sort of breathing with their heartbeat so sort of panting almost going and then you hear the heartbeat go boom 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 like that and then it's a sort of like a, a wolf howling, like a, oh, and then you get like this weird laugh that starts off quite high, 
but ends up almost slowed down to be low, like a ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. Like that. Now, it may not be obvious from the noises I've just made, that this is quite dramatic, and put together with a bit of reverb, it sounds like someone's sort of panicking in his tomb in Egypt. Um, maybe if I put the noises I've just made together and add a bit of reverb, it'll sound the same. Let's see. <laughs> And here's the actual intro. So see, there wasn't much difference. Um, maybe on the second one, you'll have noticed that Nico's drums came in, which, which I couldn't emulate with my mouth. In 1984, samples wasn't a very popular thing, and certainly not something a heavy metal band would be looking at. This was in music like breakdancing. I believe the members of Iron Maiden would have made these noises themselves, maybe using their mouth like I did, because they wouldn't have had these fancy gadgets. They were just using guitars. However, in the sleeve credits, it doesn't mention that they were doing this. It's just got Steve Harris, bass. There's no extra information about whether he did the owl noise or the, the heartbeat. A lot of bands used records that that came with samples on. You could, you could buy these. The BBC did some. So maybe they used some samples from those. Or maybe they just recorded themselves messing about in that tomb that they're photographed in on the inner sleeve of the album, which I'll look at in more detail on the album review show. So as a boy, this intro was quite scary, this manic laugh. It reminded me of the ending of Phantom of the Opera where Paul Diano comes back in with his sort of loud echo and scares you. This was quite scary at the beginning of Power Slave. Although to some people, it's the end of Back in the Village, because it was tacked onto that on the 1998 remaster. Which is silly, because it's basically part of Power Slave. This, to me, is Egypt and someone's in a tomb. And no one's confirmed this, but this is just what I believe. I believe it's someone looking for treasure, like Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark. After Nico's drums, the song comes in quickly and the vocals come in quickly. There's no long intro or messing about. And straight away, the lyrics are a bit like Revelations with these references to Egyptian mythology and gods. Into the abyss I fall, the eye of Horus. He's used the word abyss again. He did this in Revelations. Remember, just a babe in a black abyss. Now he says, into the abyss I fall. He must have liked this word. So straight away, you get this Egyptian theme, and even the guitars sound a bit Egyptian. I don't listen to Egyptian music, but this is what I imagine it sounds like. This sort of Eastern-sounding guitar that they did on To Tame a Land. I've not been to Egypt either, but this song helps me to imagine what it might be like. Now I can say I've seen films like Carry On Cleopatra, so I can sort of imagine what it might be like. But even better, you can go on Google and type in things, and it'll show you pictures. Try it. Put in Egypt in Google, then click on images, and then look at the images, and you can pretend you're there. You can go a step further and walk down some streets if you sort of use the map function and zoom in. It's quite nice. All these people moaning today that they can't go on holiday because of the lockdown and the pandemic. Just use Google. It saves you money and it's it's nice. You can walk down the street, you can pretend you're prowling. Um, Yeah, you can see most things you want to, except that Hawaiian complex that Dave Murray lives on. You can't go in there. I don't know why. 
Bruce is singing, has a slight delay on the vocals, which adds to the sort of mystical edge to it. And you've got these references, as I said, to Egyptian things, like the Eye of Horus. And you can see the Eye of Horus on the artwork. And remember, it was on someone's cuff in the Two Minutes to Midnight video, this symbol. It's actually a symbol of protection and good health. So the first line, into the abyss I fall, that suggests it's like a dangerous thing, they're falling. But the Eye of Horus might add some protection to them. Then it mentions a cat. It says, green is the cat's eye that glows in this temple. This follows the Eye of Horus and a line that says, into the eyes of the night. So what are all these eyes? Are people watching Bruce in the tomb? Anyway, green is the cat's eye that glows. Egyptians liked cats. The male cat is Egyptian and that's got green eyes. So maybe there's a male cat in, in the tomb with him. I believe it's probably a, a drawing, like the ones on Derek Riggs's sleeve. It's probably just a drawing of a cat on the wall. But Egyptians believed that the eyes of cats were like the ray of sunshine and a link to sort of the beyond. Uh, this symbolised the god Ra. So we've had the Eye of Horus and this cat symbol. So there's lots of good vibes. But then, as Iris rises, um, and he's the god of the dead. So it goes a bit wrong here. After the first verse, there's a bit of a break. So I don't want to say it's a bridge because there's no lyrics, but it's just a little section. And here, the guitars again sound Egyptian somehow. I think the effect on it makes it seem so. It's like a, 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 maybe a wah-wah pedal not pushed down all the way. Some sort of discord effect. So it goes... So that wavy thing. It's not as fast as a tremolo, but uh, maybe they're using their fingers to bend the strings, that sort of wiggly thing they do. After that, they could easily go back into another verse, but no, they hit you with the chorus pretty quickly. Tell me why I have to be a power slave, Bruce sings. As well as this, there's some arse in the background. I mean, like, people going, ah. It's the sort of thing I don't really notice, but they are there, and if you do hear them, you sort of do notice them. Most backing vocals we've had to date have been repeating the words that Bruce is singing, or being a harmony, or even the oh in the duelists. We've not had long R's before. Interestingly, they don't do these R's on the live after death version. So maybe after a while they thought, nah, don't like them. Overall, the lyrics are from the point of view of someone powerful, and basically suggesting that nothing is forever and change is inevitable. Um, it's like a pharaoh about to die, I think. Um, even though he's got all this power, he's a slave to the power of death, which means that even someone as powerful as him can't control everything. Um, and basically, we're all slaves to death. It's going to get us. Um, we're all slaves to other things as well. Maybe government decisions. Maybe a smartphone. Uh, teachers telling you not to pick your nose. All these things. I say it's about a pharaoh, but some of it sounds like it could be about a rock star. Maybe Bruce himself, because he wrote these lyrics. It says, it says people will worship and fall, and, and that's what happens with rock stars. In one of the tweets at Tim Berger's Twitter listening party, he mentioned the, the relationship between the power and the slave speakers on a live set. Uh, so that was quite interesting. So maybe he got the title from that. Um, maybe he starts the writing process with the title rather than the lyrics. Uh, unlike Adrian Smith, who obviously starts a children's book without a title. Um, talking of Adrian, here's the next instalment. Hi, I'm Adrian Smith, and here I am about to read to you the latest chapter from my children's book. This is from part three 
which is the second part of my book. Uh, you may recall that I'm omitting part two, um, and maybe include that later uh, in a sort of newfangled way of writing books. Originally, my book was for ages 8 to 12, um, but I fear that uh, some of the themes might be a bit darker, and maybe uh, the teen market might be more appropriate. A bit like Harry Potter, how that started off quite family-friendly, and then moved into something a bit different. Uh, I'm yet to decide. Of course, I've got lots of editing to do. I'm just giving you the drafts, and uh, hope you enjoy them. Chapter 2. The New Shop Adrian scoffed three iced buns round at Dave's house. He amused his chum by hooking the buns from his plate with his magic fishing rod and steering them into his mouth, one at a time. After Dave had finished clapping, Adrian started to speak. I say, Dave, he began, is Steve annoyed with me? He seems upset lately. Dave stopped eating his bun. I think he is sad about the ceremony, came the reply. The award ceremony? asked Adrian. Yes, the one where Officer Riggs got a medal, and Dennis got recognised, even though he didn't do very much. Adrian thought about this. Is Steve jealous? he asked. No, said Dave. Steve just felt that Dennis hadn't done as much as the rest of us, and it wasn't fair that we all got the same reward. He feels that you should have to fight for the honour. Adrian knew that his chums had done a lot of work to find out about the mystery, when all Dennis had done was get kidnapped. Apparently, Bruce had said they should snub the award ceremony, but Adrian secretly wanted to get a certificate and a new propelling pencil. Oi. Oi. They started to talk about the new shop. Do you know anything about it? asked Adrian. No, said Dave. The windows are all covered over. What do you think it will be? I would like a toy shop, said Dave, or a penny arcade, like at the seaside. Just then, there was a knock at the door. Yannick had turned up. Adrian scowled at the sight of him. Yannick saw the plate on the table. Oh, goody, iced buns, he said, and he did a little jig. What are you doing here? asked Adrian. I've come to tell you that Bruce and Steve want to meet us at the bottom of the hill at half past four. There is to be a grand announcement at the new shop. Adrian was annoyed that Yannick was talking with his mouthful, but the news of the shop excited him. Hooray and hurrah, he said, and raced home at the speed of light to tell his father. But he already knew, and so they walked to the bottom of the hill together that evening. Oi. Oi. The other boys were already there. So was half of the village. Adrian saw that there was a large curtain covering the shop. Officer Riggs was trying to section off the crowd away from it by using some bunting as a barrier, but he still had time to wave at the boys and giggle. As time passed, there was a hullabaloo amongst the villagers as they surged forward to get a closer look. Settle down, shouted Officer Riggs, but it was no use. Some of the crowd pushed forwards and snapped the bunting, crushing it under the stampede of feet. My bunting, wailed Officer Riggs, and he blew his whistle. Dave started to cry. These were wild, violent scenes, and the crowd was out of control despite the frantic whistling from the bobby. In all the chaos, the curtain fell to the ground, revealing the shop behind it. Oi. Oi. The commotion stopped at once, and everyone stood, lost for words, and looked. The sign above the shop said, Mr Bailey's Shop. 
and there was nothing in the windows. A faint murmur began among the crowd. Some seemed disappointed and made to leave. Wait, said a voice. Now the crowd waits, and a young boy appears, with his father at the shop doorway. Our shop will open tomorrow, said the boy. But what sort of shop is it? asked one of the villagers. Yes, what do you sell? shouted another. I think Bruce's vocal on this is very good. Well, he wrote the lyrics, so he's the one who can bring them to life and sort of bring that emotion to what they really mean. And he tries out some tricks. When he says, and he will die too, he sort of holds the note and adds a woe to it. So it goes, and he will die too. Oh. like that. When he says, I don't want to die, I'm a god, why can't I live on? There's an element of desperation in it, but I'd argue with Bruce, I'd say. Don't worry, Bruce. I, maiden, are immortal, and therefore your words will live on. I'm not getting religious about it, but things do live on after death, don't they? And I, maiden, will live on. But let's not talk about that. Let's talk about the instrumental section. After a while, the song slows down and completely changes. And I really like this, because this hasn't really happened yet on the Power Slave album. Maybe in two minutes to midnight a little bit. But none of the songs have had this. Not such a dramatic change, anyway. You may remember that back in the village, I criticised for being a bit one-paced. So maybe following that song makes this stand out even more. But what Dave Moore does here is amazing. It sounds like he's in his own place and he's just sort of doing his own thing and the others are just strumming around him, waiting for him to come down from wherever he is. Come back, Dave. But, you know, they're letting him noodle and it's, and it's good. I mean, I don't think it was literally ad-lib in a studio. But it would have had to have been at one point. And when they all pick up the pace, it's just incredible. It's probably the best section in any of the songs since Phantom of the Opera or Hallowed Be Thy Name. In fact, I'm going to go one better. I'm going to say it's better than those, that little section. And I really like the drama of how it eventually goes back into the main riff, into the song for the, for the last verse. I can't describe this passage. I've got three thesauruses in my collection and I can't find a word to do it justice. I don't know if the plural of thesaurus is thesauruses, but I don't care. That's, that's what this passage has made me do, have that attitude. I don't care if thesauruses isn't the plural of thesaurus. That's the power of Iron Maiden for you. I think there's five separate passages between Bruce's vocal in this musical interlude. Uh, there's even this bit that's sort of off the beat, a bit like reggae, I imagine. Um, I mean, you wouldn't say Iron Maiden sound like reggae, would you? But... Uh, this has got that element to it, which is, again, is a nice surprise. I think it's a perfect title track because it's a very, very good song. And also the theme of it and the title are all excellent. And they, they reflect the band at the time. Um, they're a bit of a slave to the pressures of touring, releasing albums, the expectations of the record company. You can tell it's an epic because the ending goes on for ages. Bruce's final note holds on for a bit and then it seems to be ending. But then it sort of drifts about a bit comes and goes and yeah, over a minute they're just sort of ending the song so you can just sort of see they don't want to they don't want to go it's a bit like a holiday at haven isn't it you're sort of you're there and then on, on the friday night you're really excited and the saturday morning when you've got a pack again you sort of hold off a bit you sort of delay putting your pants in the suitcase and your socks and then you pretend you can't find your teddy bear so that you have to delay and not go back to birmingham so soon
It's a bit like that, isn't it? Power Slave. Anyway, the, the, the point is, it sounds like a live performance, that ending, and you wonder how many takes it took to get that. I can't see them all doing their bits separately to get that ending. You can just sort of feel it was done live. Right, I'm going to give Trevor a ring now. Let's see what he's up to. Hi, Wayne. Hi, Trevor. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm not bad. Um, went to the park the other day and took a ball with me. It's nice. Oh, OK. That's good. Um, did you uh, what, kick it about and throw it? No, no, I didn't. So Why not? Well, I did intend to, but I got a bit self-conscious, so I just walked around with it. OK, well, we're looking at Power Slave this week. Uh, actually, at the start of the show, I mentioned that Power Slave might be an oxymoron. Is this correct? Can can one word be an oxymoron? Yeah, yeah, it can. You can get one word oxymorons. Um, yeah, it doesn't have to be like a phrase. Um, one example will be bittersweet. And uh, that's obviously a contrast, isn't it? Because bitter might be like lemon juice and sweet might be like sugar. A bit like my favourite pancake topping. All right, well, we've had enough of that, I think. We, we've That subject's been exhausted. That was uh, picked up on, on Twitter by several people. But uh, So do you like the song anyway? Yeah, it's really good, isn't it? I think it's one of their best songs. Um, I think it should have been played more often live. I'm surprised it's as low as 23 in their all-time played songs live. But I'm sure we've already talked about that, Wayne. Uh, no, I haven't, actually. Um, but, yeah, I suppose it's... Seen as a classic, but yeah, it's not always in the set. I think, I think nowadays it's probably seen as an old song, isn't it? It's an old, good song, whereas now they've got new good songs. So that's probably why. Yeah, I think that's really insightful, Wayne. Are you being sarcastic? No, but yeah, I like the imagery, I like the Egyptian theme. Uh, I think that's quite powerful. And again, it sort of evokes the image of sand, doesn't it? A bit like to tame a land. But I'm sure we've already made that link, Wayne. Uh, no, uh, so you like it then? Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Um, I can identify with the theme as well. Well, yeah, I think I think everyone can, can't they? Yeah, well, in my case, it's a bit different because uh, someone recently said I'm a slave to the podcast. Uh, I'm restricted to writing poems about Iron Maiden when I've got other topics to offer. Well, I'd argue not many of your poems have been about Iron Maiden. You've just used the themes and done whatever. Yeah, but I can do so much more. I've offered and you've said no, like some of my other ideas. Well, yeah, well, as I've said, it's just the idea of the podcast hasn't changed over time. Um, yeah, maybe episodes are now a bit longer or there are some differences, but essentially I do the show and you, you give your input on a poem. Yeah, all right. Well. Anyway, talking of poems, uh, it's probably about time we, we got on with it. And uh, have you got a poem this week about Power Slave? Yeah, OK. I'll uh, read it now. Power Slave, a feast of imagery, a song full of riches and exotic sound. Power Save, a shop down the road that sold nice deodorant for a pound. OK, is that, I'm assuming that's it. Yeah. Well, I don't know how you can complain about being a slave to the podcast when that's the standard that you come up with, because we've had this for quite a long time. Um, sometimes you come up with something very good, um, and then other times, uh, power, a song about a shop, uh, that's offensive to the song Power Slave, some, a legendary song, and you've come up with that, which, let's be fair, a teenager could have written. No, I think it's important to look at the differences, because when I was a boy, 
power save the shop. I always got confused. Well, how can you get confused between a song and a shop? Well, I point it out in a, in a poem for people. I don't think power save is there anymore. It closed down, didn't it? I don't know. It might have closed now because of lockdown. Okay, well, anyway. Can I tell you about the idea I had? Okay. Well, yeah, when I was little, um, I came up with an idea for an advert for them, and it would be using Power Slave to advertise Power Save. So I'd say, Tell me why I have to go to Power Save. And then I'd tell them. What do you mean you'd tell them? Well, I'd list some of the bargains. So I'd say, Aquafresh toothpaste, a pound. Insignia deodorant, a pound. Pedigree chum. Alright, we get the idea. I also thought that Little by Little by Dusty Springfield could be used for Lidl. How? Well, because she says Little by Lidl. So she goes, Lidl by Lidl by Lidl. And it sounds like you might want to buy something from Lidl. I've got lots of shop advert ideas. Do you want some more? No, thank you. May I remind you, this is a podcast about Iron Maiden. If you want to do your ideas, there are other avenues and platforms for that. Not this conversation. Alright. I just thought I'd mention it. I thought it might be a bit different. Plus, that's what Power Slave reminds me of a bit. I know it's silly, but sometimes things remind you of silly things. Okay, well next week it's Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. So, uh, obviously that is about poetry, um, or, or linked to the poem uh, by Samuel Taylor Coleridge. So hopefully you'll take that seriously. Yeah, I will. And uh, maybe I'll speak to you in the week. Okay. Thanks, Wayne. Bye. Okay, you can follow me on social media. Just find Wayne's Iron Maiden podcast and I'm, I'm there somewhere. I was pleased to see lots of messages because the podcast turned one in the last week. Um, sent some pictures out of pies, uh, a quiz that went down very well, uh, some good scores there. And, of course, uh, I put Beyond the Stratosphere up uh, for download on the Ko-Fi page, so help yourself to that. Um, maybe people will want the... Uh, the intro I recorded at the start of the song for the song Power Slave, although I don't know if technically I can sell that um, because I don't, I didn't write it. Uh, I don't know if I made them wrote it. I don't, I don't know if it's part. I suppose I did. I asked people what their highlights were of the podcast over the last year and uh, got some nice replies. Um, some people answered this in the end of the year survey that I did, uh, but I did get a lot of new people and, and new messages, so I'll read some of them out now. On Facebook, David Rash said, Congratulations, love the show. And Andy Brown said, Highlights for me have been Steve Harris's diary theme, where Trevor sings the harmony part. And he also mentioned the Nico drumroll thing that always catches him by surprise. I think that's in uh, Adrian Smith's book. So thank you for your comments. On Twitter, Andrew Whitnell said, Happy birthday to the best thing to come out of the West Midlands since the completion of the M40. So that's an interesting analogy. And I got a message from Guillaume saying his favourite part was when he did the Iron Maiden puzzle, uh, the Jigsaw and the first album special. He said, the soothing sound of the pieces shuffled on the table with your grunts and comments and the sheer suspense of the moment. So that's nice. Uh, yeah, maybe I should do some more Jigsaws. I missed those. Anyway, the good news is I've had no negative feedback about Adrian Smith's book to pass on to him. That, that has happened in the past, especially with him missing out part two. I thought that might have gone down badly, but uh, people seem accepting at the moment. As mentioned earlier, we're doing Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner next week, so that'll be fun. Um, the longest song to date, that'll be. Uh, I mean, Power Slave is pretty long, that's over seven minutes, but uh, yeah, if you think that's long, wait till, wait till next week. So I hope you can join me for that, and I'll leave you with some Power Slave. Thanks for listening. Bye bye.